Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the summer of 1994, a group of majestic agents set out on a mission to a lost pyramid in the Yucatan. They follow orders from a mysterious entity in order to avert the end of the world. Join Lee Jarvis, an NRO Delta agent played by Becca, and Adam as the handler in Pathways to Darkness, a Delta Green scenario created by Melonbread. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. There you can find up-to-date news and a link to our Discord. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Delta Green duet. I'm here with Becca right now and we are going to be playing the scenario Pathways into Darkness written by Melonbread. This is a Majestic 12 scenario. Uh, More specifically, we're going to be following a group of NRO Delta agents. Becca today will be assuming the role of Lee Jarvis. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Lee, if you can? Lee is a military man. He's definitely come from that background. And really, you look at him, and that's exactly what you see. He's got the short, cropped hair, no facial hair, and is usually wearing basic brown T-shirts and, you know, cargo pants that allow for all the extra necessities and boots that sort of thing. So you you see him like even in casual day-to-day stuff and you're like, yes, that is a military person. Like he just has that with him. Before joining the NRO, he was with the military, but made that shift to working specifically with the NRO because of, of the type of things that he did. He was a veteran of Nicaragua and he did a lot of the deniable operations. So being successful with that, I think that's why people in the NRO went, hey, this person's good. Let's bring him over to this. And, you know, for him, it, it's all a job. He's he really is trying to segment it in a lot of ways. Like whatever weird stuff is going on, like he just he doesn't care what he does with the NRO. It's more that at least he's not hurting other people anymore. Yeah, that's perfect. Right now. Lee is boarding a jet. It's a it's the dead of night and you and three other men fully decked out in camouflage and guns board this jet. So you board the jet, you're behind two other guys that are boarding first and right before you enter in, you see your friend Abraham, Abraham Brakowski jump into the plane. He's somebody that you've done operations with before. He's a very kind of jumpy, nervous guy. He wears a similar style to you. He has very short cropped hair. His hair is very dark when you see that it's growing in into the the buzz cut that he usually styles it in. And he wears military clothing, khakis, tactical tactical gear. You can see that he has like a, a belt with all kinds of tools and equipment on it. 
He's a little bit shorter than you, but you know that he has a lot of courage and a lot of character, and he's never let being a smaller guy kind of get in the way of just being a badass. He is like a loud person. He's he's almost like a a small dog that that just barks a lot. He's usually very noisy. He he will always say what he's feeling. He always vocalizes everything. And for once, he's not shouting some kind of panic as as you guys board this jet. He's silent. He's respecting the operation. Maybe he's concerned. Maybe he's scared. You begin to remember when you were briefed about this. You were called into an office. You spoke to a man you'd seen before, but never officially learned his name. Some of your supervisors were in the room as well. They all sat silent while the other man talked. He had tears in his eyes as if he had just experienced something horrible, as if he had just received terrible news. The other men in the room staring forward, their faces very serious but stoic. This room is a darkly lit office style boardroom. You can see that maybe one of the lights in the room is on, just like a lamp in the corner. And the darkness actually obfuscates the faces of the men in the room. They're all about 55 to 60 years old, older men wearing suits, the type of men that you know are in charge and that make the decisions. The men that have the information and trickle down what little they find necessary for you to carry out your orders. They had asked you to have a seat and you did. You could feel the heat in the room and you could see the beads of sweat dripping off of some of the men's faces. A man at the end of the table, the man you had seen but never learned his name, never shared a proper introduction with him, leaned in close and told you that it was your duty to try to prevent the end of the world. And it seemed almost comical at first, but as he explained the plan, you felt the gravity of the situation begin to set in. He explained to you that a private jet was going to drop you and your men off in the Yucatan Peninsula shortly after Sunday, May 8th. From there, you were to enter a temple carrying a small, low-yield, but highly powerful nuclear device. They told you that the bomb needed to be placed at the lowest point you're able to descend into the tunnels beneath the structure. You can delay the detonation for as long as 48 hours, but under no circumstances does that bomb go off past two days from now. By then, it'll be far too late. You begin to think about the men that you work for, the orders they receive. It doesn't come from just simply higher up the chain. It comes from something far more mysterious and far more clandestine. They've explained it to you simply by referring to it as the greys, the aliens. When the UFOs crashed in New Mexico, that was the first time we began making our deals with them. Certain agreements made with them to protect humanity as a whole. Now, you know very little about what sorts of dealings actually go on. You've maybe only heard rumors, only gleamed at files you were maybe not supposed to see, but you play things by the books. You only do what you're asked. You don't ask questions about things that you're not supposed to know about. But still, even though you know that what you do is for the sake of humanity as a whole, Part of it is unsettling. Part of it is uncomfortable. This man with tears in his eyes tells you that 
the world could end if you don't do this. And he seems so certain, like somebody told him, somebody that he truly believes. So for Lee, this is probably the first time that he's heard something this drastic be given as a mission. Yeah. And you weren't sure how to take it at first because the man who told you about this mission, you could see he was an older man, tears in his eyes, telling you about the end of the world. And you're not sure how to respond to it. Yet here sits all of your superiors looking at this man seriously, sternly, facing him as though he's in charge. Nobody will ever know what the meeting was before you got into that room. But whatever was discussed, whatever happened, set forth this chain of events that you find yourself in now. You get on the jet and it flies you to this undisclosed location in the jungle. The jet stops at a cleared out area that you know that the group has pre-designated. Oh, good. It, it actually lands? It does. Okay, good. I was like, oh, you said nuclear bomb. This would be terrible if we had to jump from it. So Abraham has been given the, the package, the device, and it's basically the size of a suitcase and it's got straps on it like a backpack. It's, it's wrapped in this camouflage uh, carrying case. But it's something that is completely portable. Abraham just holds it delicately, doesn't want to disturb it too much, but he's been assured that it won't go off unless it's detonated. But you were warned, the radius of it is about a mile. So once it's planted, you'll need to get far away, very far away, and call for the helicopters to pick you up. Question that Lee would actually have is, We're to expect resistance going into this temple? Presumably so. They warned us of something in there. And you know that they refers to this entity that gives you otherworldly information. Okay. So as as the jet has landed and we're starting to gather our things together, Lee's thinking of like, you know, the next steps. He's on the flight there, he was maybe thinking about his wife a little bit, just, um, you know, this, this mousy petite woman who is the mother of some of his, of his children, not some of, of his children. But as soon as the plane lands, the jet lands, he's focused. He's, this is the job. This is what we're doing. We need to get there. Need to cover Abraham since he's the one carrying this and just get ready for business. One thing that you know about Abraham, as you kind of look over him, he's this guy who stands much shorter than you. Uh, But still, you know, he carries just as much gear as you or anybody else. And he has this strapped onto his back. He's a shorter man, but he's kind of of a sturdier build. He is a very nervous person, a very paranoid person. And you guys don't talk much about, about traumatic events, but he has shared with you a little bit about a project he was part of, Project Pluto, how they did experiments on him, did things to augment him. And he never specifically told you what, but you know that he bears the scars of that experience. Countless times you've been on an operation together and you've just woken to find him 
either just completely awake, broken down, crying, having an um, emotional episode, or you've seen other, you know, angry, paranoid outbursts that he has. You remember the time where he emptied his clip into the air, just totally unafraid and uncaring for for the mission at all. And you actually worried about him. You worried about if he would compromise you. But you're like brothers at this point. You want what's best for him. You want to see that he's safe. You see the other member that's been assigned to your group, a man by the name of Ian Toombs. Neither you nor Abraham have met Ian before. He's a man close in age to you and Abraham in his late 30s or early 40s. He's taller, more muscular than both you and Abraham. He also has a dark buzz cut, slightly grown in, and no facial hair. He's a very quiet person. And from the beginning, Abraham has been picking small fights with him. And you're worried about how this is going to affect the cohesion of the unit. You know that Ian Toombs is a quiet guy, but he never did anything to ruffle any feathers with you specifically. He just seems like maybe somebody who's just trying to focus on the mission at hand. But something about that rubs Abraham the wrong way. Abraham is the type of person that likes to make small talk, that likes to chat, that likes to bullshit. And Toombs will not partake in this in any way. And since the three of you were joined for this operation, Abraham has been bickering with Toombs the entire time. Whether it's just petty squabbles to just straight up accusations of, you know, you're, you're an asshole, like fist fight kind of just altercations. And you've had to defuse some of it. You know that they're professional enough. Well, Toombs, you hope so. He seems professional enough that he wouldn't let this stand in the way of the mission. And Abraham, he seems pretty unstable, but you think that, well, you know that you trust him in a survival situation. And that's very much what we're in. Based on my observations of Ian, keep trust him to a degree, but definitely be keeping my eye on him. You just, you never know. And... At least with Abraham, I know what to expect, the twitchy behavior, the, you know, the getting into fights, you know, just put a hand on Abraham's shoulder as we are starting to pack up and like, all right, let's focus on the mission. Here's what we need to do. That's what I need you to be thinking about right now. Just really bringing him into the moment versus letting him try to think of all the distracting stuff and everything that could go wrong. Because there's a lot that could go wrong with this. So- You guys get off the jet and start unloading the small bits of equipment that you're going to be carrying with you. And the jet almost immediately takes back off. And you have to actually clear out a ways because the takeoff of this is quite a sight to see. It's very powerful piece of aircraft. And you're not even sure exactly the specifications of it. It's not like a publicly known piece of of military equipment it's under the radar and it leaves you and the three of you are left there with your packs you have survival gear machetes food supplies that should last you at least up to three days you also have weapons m16 machine guns pistols a few grenades even just the standard fare this type of thing that you and Abraham had in Nicaragua. 
the type of devices that you're used to carrying. And as the jet takes off and we, Lee will actually wait until the sound has kind of dissipated. It's not so loud. Let the area surrounding us, we're in a jungle, right? You guys are in a complete jungle area right now. Okay. So just letting the sounds kind of get back to normal. Like this was a weird thing that happened. Now we're going to focus. The area where you stand right now is like a cleared out field that stretches on for about a mile ahead of you. It was an area that they had predetermined as a covert landing spot for this operation. And they used the guise of an archaeological dig to ready it and to assure that it would be private and also safe for this aircraft to land on and then, of course, take off afterwards. So where you stand now, it's very flat, but you can see on both sides just this complete overgrown jungle, this wildness that you can't see very far through. And you can hear the sounds of all sorts of different birds, insects. You hear the howling of what's probably monkeys. You're not really sure. This is such a such an unpredictable environment. You've been to the jungle before. You know how dangerous it can be. Where you are now is the Yucatan Peninsula. It's an area that separates Mexico and South America. Similar climate to what you experienced in your previous ops. You feel comfortable. I mean, it's very uncomfortable for probably anybody else. The sweltering tropical heat, just the constant wetness and humidity. But it's strangely comforting to you. It reminds you of doing your duty, doing what you were asked and being rewarded or not rewarded, but feeling that approval from your superiors. Oh, absolutely. And having the the area be so different, I, I want to say that he's actually from Virginia, but I've never been to Virginia. So I don't know if it's like anywhere close to this atmosphere wise, but I'm assuming it's not. So with that, he has this, he uses that to help compartmentalize what's going on. When I'm in this kind of situation, this is the mindset that I have. And like, he's just really, really getting into that and getting really focused and using everything that he can to kind of help separate what's going on at home and what's going on at work. Absolutely. And that makes sense. Does Lee carry any mementos of home that he uses to ground himself or that he would use to remind himself or would he separate from that? He wouldn't intentionally do it, but his youngest daughter made something for him. It's probably like a little bracelet that she intended for him to wear around his wrist, but he wears around his uh, dog collar just because she's like, oh, daddy, it'll keep you safe, that kind of thing. You know, something to think about us from. And he just, he couldn't say no to his precious little girl. So he like, that's the one thing. And it's like one of those like really cheap, stretchy, bracelets that has like the big clunky beads on it so like he keeps it tucked under his shirt but you know if it falls out people will notice because it's kind of colorful you and tombs and abraham begin trudging through the jungle tombs stands in front of the two of you with a machete in his hand cutting down brush as you guys pass he holds before him a very rudimentary gps device it's just a little bit further 
Good, good, good. Sooner we're done with this, the better. Hey, why does he get to hold the thing? You know, this guy's never been with us before and he's holding the thing, telling us where to go. You know, I, sh- I think I should be in front holding the thing. Abraham, you are holding the most important thing right now. The GPS, Tombs is just getting us to where we need to be. I need you to focus on making sure nothing happens with that bag. Tombs just turns around. The fact that you keep calling it the thing is why you will never hold the thing. You fucking asshole. Lee will shoot a dark glare because he was trying to defuse the situation, but Tombs just, you know, obviously made it work. So he shoots him a dark glare, like, really bad? Like, yeah, you can't hold your temper for a minute. The two of you push on. Tombs is silent. Abraham's muttering stuff under his breath. You don't see any signs of civilization. All you see is just this dense jungle. It's probably very early in the morning right now. This jet got you there very quickly. Nighttime is just ending and the sun is about eye level right now. And it's just shining on you guys. You can see the the rays shining through all the different flora and of the jungle. You can see like the trees and the vines and these just brightly colored yellow leaves, these tropical plants. And as Lee's looking around at all of this, he's actually really glad for this kind of obstacle that they have to go through. Because if it's uncivilized in this area, that means that the bomb isn't going to affect people who live nearby. I mean, one mile radius yeah, that's to get out of the immediate explosion. But beyond that, you know, like nuclear bombs have quite a range. So this is really serious. And he's just, he's glad that people won't be affected immediately. But he also knows, like, he's trying to put out of his mind that there might be people who live close by relatively that will be affected by this. And he's trying to put that thought of his mind as that occurred to him as they're walking through. And it's hard because you know that, when they ask you to do something, it's it's necessary. And you're hoping that this bomb isn't going to take out just innocent people caught in the crossfire. But you know that sometimes that's what they ask. Sometimes innocent people are caught in the crossfire. And that's just a, that's just a formality. That's just part of how this game works. And you don't like that. You don't like to see people hurt. You never did. You know that people can progress in this line of work if they're particularly comfortable with that, but you never were particularly comfortable with that. You progressed more so on your skill, more so on your loyalty than your coldness and and not caring about human life. But you have met men that are like that, men that truly did not value human, human life. And you've prided yourself on not being that person. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I've actually had to watch my back against people like that. And he likes to think that he's pretty, pretty quick to identify those kinds of people because those are the people that are going to put me in the most liability because they're not going to, they don't care about group cohesion per se. They just want to accomplish the mission. And that's not necessarily Lee's objective. Like he, he definitely wants to accomplish the mission, but he wants to get, make sure these two other people that are coming with him also come back. And and on that note, as we're traveling through this, having observed Tombs kind of reactions to stuff, do I think that he kind of falls into that line? Give me a human role. All right, I got 39 out of 50. Okay. 
So you beat his opposed role. Basically, you're trying to read him and his role to not be read. Basically, you you did better than him. So you you pick up that he is a little bit off. There is probably something that he's not being upfront about. That you know because he's just not a very talkative person and he hasn't shared anything with you guys. But you also get the sense that maybe there is something a little bit off about him. Maybe he is one of these people that is actually a, a monster in human form. But you don't want to think that. You don't necessarily know that to be true about him. You don't know. He, he could be, he's somebody you don't know. And you're, you're open to the idea that you could be wrong about him. And Abraham could be wrong about him. But there is something dishonest about him in general. He seems like somebody who's hiding something at the very least. I have a gut instinct that's just telling me, you don't know what's going to happen just yet, but be aware. Keep your eye on him. And after about two hours of walking through the jungle, Tombs indicates that the temple is close by. Okay, let's take a quick, quick break, and then we'll focus in. We'll kind of survey the area, see what we're up against, if anything. They did tell us to expect some resistance. Let's see if we can figure that out before we walk right in. And you can see the men are pretty winded right now. You can see both of them completely covered in sweat. You guys are all wearing this same type of green camouflage that actually does blend in quite well with the jungle. Like everything in the operations you do, it was provided by the group. They gave you the guns to use. They give you the clothes to wear. They give you the tools. And you just carry out the orders. It is somewhat of a luxury because you've been in situations before where you didn't have the correct arms. You didn't have enough food to eat when you decided to stop and take a break. You fought over the water. But they make sure stuff like that doesn't happen. They at least look out for the safety of the operation. And you guys begin to sit down and maybe start eating some quick MREs or something. Everybody's kind of catching their breath. But where you've stopped, is right where you can see this temple through the clearing. So looking through the bushes, you see this temple and it's a step pyramid and it sits on this clearing in the rainforest. It's about five stories tall and it has a structure at the top of the steps. And you can see that it has this entrance right at the base as well. You don't know this temple from history or archeology. span You don't know it as a discovered temple. You can't look up information about this place. And you wonder what the sacred significance of this is. You wonder if, do even the tribes people know about this? It looks ancient and at the same time looks untouched by life, looks untouched by weather, untouched by nature. It does resemble pre-Mayan style temples, although it, it does look like a mix maybe. You know enough about the area to know about some of the different types of indigenous architecture styles. And this looks like something, this looks like something you haven't seen before in any kind of book, any kind of artwork. And that alone, the alien nature of this place, while it still resembles something that you can tie to a civilization you know about, 
it's unsettling. And the longer that Lee's looking at it, he's definitely, he's getting that sinking feeling. Some you get sometimes in your stomach, but then he, he also realizes that even though it has the eerie similarities to what he understands, which isn't a lot, he doesn't have any archeology span background. He's seen maybe pictures in geographic magazines where there's been like a picture of a temple, that kind of thing. So like he knows that there's, that similarity but as he's looking at it and seeing that it's it's so different the fact that he hasn't seen that before is a bit of a comfort for him because that means people just haven't seen this and that's good it's it's better for everybody to be protected in that kind of way abraham is blown away by the side of the temple obviously very vocal about it as he is about everything jesus christ look at that thing look at the size of the thing commenting about every feature of the temple, suggesting that it's an Indiana Jones temple, suggesting all kinds of stuff, but he won't be quiet. Tombs, on the other hand, is silent. He's just looking at the temple, not asking any questions, not engaging in Abraham's banter at all. He's just staring straight at the temple. And you observe this behavior with him. You just see this look of dedication and purpose in his eyes, this cold look. And as Lee's going back with back and forth with Abraham, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I could see how you think that it'd be a kind of Indiana Jones. Uh, like he's just trying to come up with the answer. I'm, I'm I bet they got back. a ball in there that's going to roll down on us when we get inside. Really? Come on, look at the place. Probably Surely- got snakes in a pit. They're going to have more sophisticated traps than that. You know that. There's snakes in a pit, I swear to God. I'm waiting outside for you. <laughs> no, I'm going to push you in first. And he says that with such a big grinning smile to like indicate that he's obviously joking. Toombs is standing with his back up against a tree. He's cleaning one of the assault rifles. Abraham's in front of you. He's taking a knee. He's kind of resting right now. All right, boss, what's the plan? Have we seen any movement as we're looking and watching the temple? No, you haven't seen any movement at all. And it's strange, too, because the brush around the temple is actually a lot lighter and less dense than the jungle area that you're in now. And you know that there's no groundskeeper. There's no, I mean, it doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like it's been carefully tended to. But it does look relatively untouched by nature. It does look a little bit less overgrown. You would see any movement. You would see any kind of activity, and yet you haven't. It's just the half hour that you've been sitting there so far. Nothing but you guys, the birds, the animals. That's it. Okay. Plan of action. So we can clearly see that there is an entrance to the temple at the top of those stairs. But... I want to make sure that that is 100% the case. So we're going to circle around, make sure that there's no other entrances that might be closer to the ground level. Assuming that's the case, then we're going to go in quietly as possible. And you actually did notice there is an opening at the very bottom where where the steps begin. And you can see the steps go all the way up into like a separate doorway. So you're not sure entirely 
if these are separate entrances, if these are both entrances to the same thing, if one is an entrance and one is maybe just like a small reserve, like a small opening. But you can see that this entire place is a, is a temple. It's not just a facade. You know that when you walk all the way to the top, that there, you know that some way there is a way inside of this place and it probably goes down as well. You can see that this isn't just like an outdoor structure. There's a inside. This is a, a big complex and it goes up quite high. Where it stands now, it's about, it's about 200 feet away from you. So you're pretty close to, to where, the, where like the grounds of this temple starts, but still far enough away where you can observe it quietly. Abraham will start to t- lace up his boots. He throws the pack with the sensitive material over his shoulder and gives it a, a nice tap as he starts to trudge through the jungle. His shorter legs, it's harder for him to step over these branches and these logs that stand in the way. Yet he doesn't try to make it an obstacle. He tries to push on without any difficulty. At this point, Abraham is in front of the group. He's taking the lead. You guys step out into this clearing before the temple. And as you leave the brush of the jungle, you can feel the the air you can feel the wind because this is more of a clearing. It's less protected by the trees and the leaves. It's more of an open space. And you feel that difference and you start to notice that difference as you begin to case the temple. Why don't you give me a search or forensics roll? All right, we're going with a search roll because I have nothing in forensics. 13 out of 20. So you guys begin to canvas the area. Everybody passed their search roll. You find a bullet casing on the ground, and it looks very old. You would date it from maybe the 30s, maybe even earlier. Not an American gun. Maybe, maybe this is from World War II or World War I even, some type of rifle. It looks like it's been there a long time. It was partially buried in the dirt, but you happen to just notice it sticking up. That sinking feeling in his stomach is like lurches forward when he realizes how old it's been and how long it's been there. But he'll do his best to just kind of take a look at it, have that lurch, and then stand right up and kind of continue to look around. So you're continuing to look around. You have the bullet and you're kind of looking at it, analyzing it. Tombs is off looking at other stuff. And at this point, Abraham has just left the immediate field of view, and he's kind of gone to, he's around a corner where you can't exactly see him. He's still very close to you, but you can still hear him poking around when all of a sudden you hear, holy shit, boss, get over here. Immediately drop what I'm doing and bolt there. Kind of like that initial adrenaline rush to get ready and to go into action. So as you dart around the corner, you see Abraham, he's standing over this large patch of grass and you can see he's standing above a thing. It's some type of dead creature. It's a mottled orange color. It has two legs, no arms, no head. A long tongue-like object extends several feet from the the stump where the legs come off of. It's surrounded by this puddle of 
green blood and ichor. And you can see several more bullets. It doesn't resemble anything from any kind of earthly life. You don't need to roll biology to know that that's unlike anything you've ever seen. What the fuck is that thing? Abraham's poking it with his rifle. Toom starts to walk around the corner. He's a lot more casual than Abraham is regarding this. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. You don't know what it is. Yeah, just look with your eyes, buddy. But I do find it a little bit odd. I'll actually go and look at the bullets. Are they similar to the casing that I had picked up? They are. They look like the same type of bullet. They look less old, though. The bullet you found seemed to be buried in time for decades and decades, whereas this creature, its fluids are still around. It still looks undecomposed. It is some type of biological matter, but nothing like you've seen. It looks like a weird combination of plant and animal. Okay. So this thing was clearly shot recently. And recently being in his mind, it could have been a week ago, a couple of days ago. He, he doesn't know, but he knows that it's relatively recent. Toombs puts his arm out and motions for the two of you to step back. Look, you don't know if it's poisonous or something. Just, just take a few steps back. We'll take pictures of it, but just don't touch it or anything. Oh, and you always know what's, what's best to do. Why don't you just fuck off, all right? I'm, I'm going to look at it. I've never seen any shit like this in my life. Have you? No, no, Abraham, he, he's got a point. We don't know what this is. For all we know, it's a blood could be acidic. Well, we should find out what it is. If we're going to go inside, there's probably more of this thing. And with that, he almost goes to stop him, but then he realizes there's tons of vegetation around. He'll go grab kind of go to the edge of the clearing and like take out a machete, a branch, something kind of close to the ground to put on the thing so they can kind of see what happens to it. And you do your little experiments with the leaves and the the blood and the ichor and nothing terrible happens and you don't feel any worse for having been around it. You do feel very strange for just having this time to just look at and analyze this weird life form that you've never seen before and surely your work you've encountered weird stuff you've been let in on information of the greys these otherworldly entities and maybe you've even seen one before but nothing ever like this it doesn't bother you to the point where you feel like out of game out of character in game terms you don't need to roll sanity for this it Its presence has not disturbed your sense of reality in a way that you need to question seeing this, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. And the fact that it's dead, which it has bullet holes in it, right? Yes, it's very much dead. So, like, Becca thinking about this, it's different to see something that's dead to and not have it move in weird, convoluted ways versus seeing it when it's alive. So I totally get what you're saying with the, with the sanity. It's, it's just different. It's more of just a, a curiosity at the moment. And with that, after finishing poking the dead corpse <laughs> with the bit of stick, I just, I feel so like 12 year old doing that or five year old, like at the beach, poking a jellyfish on the, on the beach with a stick. 
he'll he'll stand up and well we at least know that it can die because of this and he holds up the gun that he's been keeping with him out and open that's pretty much all we need to know hopefully we won't run into any of this kind of thing but we know we can take it out fuck yeah boss i'm gonna give it some of this and you see abraham holds his gun up in a very cocky manner tombs almost instantly telling him can you put that thing down just be safe with that please and it does seem more like a curiosity for you and a curiosity for abraham you see a little further down along this same wall of the temple that this strange corpse of this creature is you can see where there's the entrance and you can see it goes into a a dark tunnel and then this is you can see this from where you stand now and the sun shining directly into this open space you're close enough to see that it's this tunnel that goes into this staircase which just goes down 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 into into seemingly darkness and you can see the side of the walls are adorned with this artwork this indigenous primitive artwork it's very colorful it looks almost fluorescent almost neon against the earth tones of the actual temple itself and it doesn't look aged it doesn't look old the freshness of this art again just undisturbed by nature untouched by anything and i could see that just being almost a nagging thing in the back of his mind like there's something off about this place and he doesn't recognize that that's what it is but it just it keeps kind of ringing bells at him all right men We know our objective. We need to go down as low as we can. Let's do this quick and get out of here. And with that, Lee will start to go towards that entrance. And you guys stand in the doorway as you say that, as you give this briefing. You're right at the opening of this temple. You see Tombs, he's calibrating that device he had earlier, the GPS locating device. It almost looks like the type of cell phones you've seen, except a little bit bigger. It takes both hands to carry it. It has this very rudimentary LED screen with a large antenna that pulls out. And it's in this camouflage carrying case that appears to be made just for this device. You're not sure you would know how to use this device if you had it. Abraham, you're not sure, would know how to use this device either, yet he seems very comfortable to just try it out and and, uh, see what happens. He feels like he could probably figure it out if he had it. But Toombs is comfortable with this device, and as he starts to press buttons on the screen and you hear these beeps and clicks, okay, this thing seems ready to go. It should tell us our longitude and latitude give us other types of readings. Pretty state-of-the-art device. All right. Sure it is. Abraham looks at it, somewhat disappointed. Let's go in. And with that, Lee will take those first steps down into this temple. And the rifles you carry, they have these flashlights at the very end of them. So you can hold the rifles out and use them as kind of lighting devices as well. Abraham is also just carrying a hand flashlight. He has his rifle draped over his back with the, stra- with the strap kind of over the, f- the front of him. 
and he holds a, a hand flashlight and a pistol in the other hand. Tombs just proceeding on, staring at this screen as you guys go. And you make your way down these stairs. And the further down you go, the light from the opening of this temple just begins to disappear and disappear. And you go down, down, down until the light from outside is just no longer visible at all. If you enjoyed this game of Delta Green, make sure to check out our other Delta Green one-shots. We have several listed now and more to come soon.